I pray the face of the Lord shines upon you, that you are strengthened in your spirit, you are encouraged, and I pray that the peace of God that passes all understanding rests upon your life tonight. And pray that in the name of Jesus. How many of you receive that? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's good to have you tonight. Tell your neighbor it's good to see him. Dave skipped over his wife and talked to John. That was just, that was sad. my wife. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here. We appreciate you. You know that? As a church staff, we appreciate your dedication and your faithfulness to the house and being a part of a family of faith with us. So we want you to know that. And, And with that, we believe in all of you, by the way. We believe in you. We believe in who you are. We believe in what God is making you into. We believe all the things that, that, that we know that God is doing in you and through you and all that kind of stuff. And we stand behind you in all of those things. Amen. So be encouraged tonight. Um, pray for my son. Do that for me. Uh, my son, Gavin, my, my middle child, my second child, Gavin, uh, freshman at Ohio University. Ohio Christian University plays soccer for him. Three weeks ago in soccer training, he tore his ACL in his left knee, which is terrible. He had surgery yesterday, so he's, he's on the road back, but he's just in, like, crazy pain. But the reason I'm asking to pray is just part of the process. He goes back to school Sunday, back to classes Monday. He's got a function, you know, so just pray for him that he's, he's able to get out and about. He could be on crutches for about a month. It's about a six to nine-month recovery period. So anyhow, just throw him in your prayers, but uh, it's just part of, part of life. But throw him up in your prayers. And I did, I'm officially old. I'll tell you a fast story. Two days ago, I lost my glasses. Right? And they're just reading glasses, all I need them for. But I like to read. And for, so for two days, I'm just like, my goodness. You know, I'm just like. So today at lunch, I went and bought new glasses. And what makes me officially old, two hours later, I found my old glasses. So now I'm old. So I'm officially old. I'm accepting it begrudgingly, but it's just happening. So, anyways, now I got two pair of glasses. So it's pretty cool I have a backup pair. So. Yeah, anyways, um, that was, you know why I found them? In this shoe right here. I found them in my shoe. Yeah, I, I, you, know, you know, I tell you, I coach track, so I change at work, and I throw everything in a bag. I go home where they must have fell in my shoe, and I'm looking for them everywhere. And it just hit me this afternoon after I bought the other pair of glasses. I called my wife. I said, just look in my shoe. They're in the closet, brown shoes with the white soles. Look, she said, yep, they're in us. I'm a genius. And she said, not really. No, you're not a genius. <laughs> If you were a genius, you wouldn't have put them in your shoe and forgot. Anyway, so I didn't, I didn't forget. I think they fell in there. You know how it goes. Anyhow, <laughs> the book of James, if you got your Bible, head there tonight with me. The book of James, again, we are glad you were here. I'm, I'm going to, um, oh, by the way, guys, how many of y'all were at the men's breakfast on Saturday? Brotherhood, we had a good time. A whole bunch of us ate a bunch of biscuits and gravy. It was a good time. And Messy Sunday. How many of y'all enjoyed Messy Sunday on Sunday? It was a good time. So we're looking forward to the next time we get to do that with y'all. But we had a very good weekend here in the house. Um, I want to talk to you tonight. It's sort of a, an offshoot of what Pastor's been teaching about love. How many of you have been enjoying pastor's series on love on Sundays and it's just been a great series 
Um, I've been enjoying it, but, but more than enjoying it, I know that, that for some of us, it's jostling us around a little bit. We need to be jostled around. Some of it's like a, a cannonball coming in your life. We need the cannonball sometimes, you know, but, but it's good. But, and, and you also uh, been also in, in the midst of that, uh, a series on faith that's been kind of interjoined. Inter so Sunday, faith to the family a couple of weeks ago, faith to your brothers and sisters. So what I'm talking about tonight is kind of an offshoot of both of those things, okay? Um, I want to talk to you about your tongue. This this thing right here inside of your head. Um, and we're going to go to James chapter number three first. But let me just say something as we're going there. Um, the Christian life is not solely based on saying you believe certain things. That's the start. And we grow in those beliefs and we learn. But the Christian life is how my everyday life is changed and affected by what I believe. Faith without works is dead. So I believe things, but then what does that do to how I exist in this world? How does it change how I live? What do I become? What is the process that I'm, I'm being uh, taken through to be made into something? Because Jesus just doesn't leave us where we're at. He always takes us somewhere. We follow so it's not just things I believe, but it's what I believe and how it affects me. So you can't, you can't take your beliefs and call yourself a Christian then kind of segment them to a certain part of your life. You can't compartmentalize things. You can't box things out or, or let your beliefs affect three quarters of your life, but I'm going to keep a quarter of these things away from it because I just like them the way they are and just leave them be. Christianity is to get in every part of your entire beating, right, being right down to, to the, the nooks and the crannies and the dark places where there's cobwebs and dirt. Amen. It's, it's supposed to get everywhere. So I say that because your faith and what you believe needs to affect this, this thing in your mouth. And we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. And we're talking about... Uh, being the kind of people that use our faith to help other people, the tongue is a giant part of that. Amen. James chapter 3. Let, let's read this. And we're going to talk. We actually have about four different passages of Scripture we're going to run to tonight. But James chapter 3. And let's see. Um, verse 3. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. You ever been around horses? My brother was a professional horse trainer. He, he bred and showed Morgan horses, and he spent most of his life doing it. And I, I was around horses a lot growing up, and I even seen my brother break horses. That's fun to watch. You know, he, he's got a young stallion that's time to put the saddle on or put in carriage and that process. I just like to stand outside the fence and watch that deal happen. But the, the bit in the bridle can be put in the mouth in such a way that you can control the whole animal. Verse 4, talking about ships. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm or rudder. Whither so whoever the governor listeth, or, or, or as, as the, the pilot of the ship turns the rudder, so the ship goes. Verse 5, and even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things, 
Behold how great a matter a little fire, fire kindleth. So in other words, the tongue, even though it seems to be a small part of the body, it has the potential to make a big fire with a small spark. Verse number six. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body. So your tongue has the ability to defile your entire body. Setting on fire the course of nature and is set on the fire of hell. For, both, for every kind of beast and birds and serpents and things of sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue no man can tame is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even the Father. Therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God or made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Turn to your neighbor and say, these things ought not to be. Your tongue needs to be shaped in the image of our Savior as much as the rest of your body and the actions of your life. Now, I'm going to say this. Let me just throw this out there, too because of the age we live in, not just the words that you say, but let's say the things that you post on social media. That's just like saying it. What you say on your Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, if you have it. In other words, anything that comes out of you as a statement or wording, it's what we're talking about here. We live in a world that is highly loud and cantankerous, if you haven't noticed. And we live in a world that, that, is, that is, I will say this, has a tendency to be extremely demeaning towards others by our words. You just have to flip on the news. Uh, you just have to jump on some, and it's not all social media, but, but some segments of social media, you see it. As believers, we need to be careful that our tongue is not defiling our whole being. It has the potential to do so. Now, what James is writing there, James, leader in the early church, when he talks about, uh, in one way we praise God, the same tongue that praises God, then we use it to curse men. He's not talking about the four-letter word variety. When he's talking about cursing men, he's talking about you are talking towards them in a demeaning manner. That is cursing them. And he says, if you are somebody that praises God, and then turns around and demeans somebody with your words, this should not be. It's not becoming of the Christian nature. How you use your tongue can ultimately be completely opposite of what it means to love your neighbor who you don't get to choose who they are and using faith for your brother. First of all, let me just say this. You must be wary of coming under the influence of those who make it normal to belittle other people. By name-calling, putting people in compartments, uh, by labeling people certain things, by using words of judgment down towards people. You need to be wary of that kind of influence. It should not be normal 
Because James, right is, James, what James writes is that we are all made in the image of God, therefore we do not have a place to do these things to other people. It is not within, you know when you get saved, Jesus takes your rights away from you. And he gives you a brand new set of rights that are highly different than the rights you thought you had. You know that? It is not within your rights anymore as a, as a follower of Jesus who, who this confession is to be impacting your entire life to sit in judgment on somebody by your words, to label them as something, to, to name call them, and you see a lot of that happening. You see what I mean? Cr criticize. These are not in your rights anymore. Your rights are now you must love your neighbor as yourself. Your rights are we use our faith to uplift our brothers. Amen? So James is pretty straight out about this. You all were, how many of y'all participated in worship tonight? Let me see. How many of y'all prayed or, or spoke a, a blessing over your neighbor? Ah, so you all were what James said. Now, out of one side, you were praising God. How many of us are then the other side when we leave here tonight? Cursing men. This should not be. Let's keep talking about this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. If you can throw that on the screen for me, I'd appreciate it. Proverbs 18, 21. While I was putting it up, just know this. You never win by being louder, nastier, or trying to put people in their place. You never win by being louder than a loud world, by being nastier than a nasty world, or by putting people in their place when everybody's trying to put each other in their place. You never win like that. Now you say, I might lose right now. Well, you might lose right now. But this is not where the believer looks to win. We are living for a life to come. So how much are you living today in order for the life to come versus trying to get it all right now? The more you are living for a life to come enables you to more live like Christ today, even when it seems like it's just not happening for you. You see what I mean? When they're loud, nasty, and they try to put you in your place and you don't respond kind and kind, it seems like they win. Seems like it. In the world's way, they do. But you're not living for right now. You're living for a life to come. For, for blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Not the loud, nasty, the ones that put everybody in their place. When you are able to see what is coming and live by what is coming, it allows you then to, to be the way we should be right now. Right? Proverbs 18, 20. We all know this verse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many believe that? Who believes that? Okay. Now, most of the time when we hear this verse talked about, we hear it talked about in the, in the idea of positive confession and don't talk negatively about your life. Right? But if this is true, then death and life are in the power of the tongue and how you talk towards other people. Not just in positive confession so your life goes right. Now, why do we know this is true? Some of you have experienced, unfortunately, maybe growing up in a home where somebody 
in your childhood labeled you as stupid, ugly, or whatever. And it affects you, right? Why? Because there's death and life in the power of a tongue. See, and they that love it, what does that mean, that they that love it? <laughs> there are people who really like to say a lot. They love it. They, they love the tongue. They love to use the tongue. And they shall eat the fruit thereof. See, how you use your tongue is death and life, but you then eat the fruit of how you use it. Let, let me jump in real quick here. I'm going to give a little bunny trail, all right? I'm going to relieve a burden for some of y'all. You, listen to me, this is so important. You do not have to have an opinion about everything. And you do not have to share your opinion about everything. In other words, you've got to stop loving using your tongue so much. Sometimes the fruit of the spirit of self-control needs to arrest you and slow down. So, death and life in the power of the tongue. So, those of you who have children know this. You can't speak down on your children. You, you cannot use names to them. You can't label them. You can't just constantly criticize them. You can't, you can't put them in a compartment. Well, you can do this, but I know you can't do that. You see what I'm saying? Because your words speak death and life. But it's not just your children, it's everybody. When you name call somebody, you're speaking death at them. When you criticize people, you speak death at them. When you judge them, you speak death at them. When, when you label people, you speak death at them. You see? When you compartmentalize people, you speak death at them. This is not within your rights as a Christian. Right? Now, oh, me saying that to them, that didn't affect them. It affects you. It poisons your soul. Because James said the tongue can be all, all full of all, sorts, uh, all kinds of poison. It's not just speaking death towards others, but it poisons you. How you because what? You eat the fruit thereof. So blessed are the merciful, so they shall receive mercy. That, that's an example. Mercy a lot of times comes from the way you talk. If you're merciful, you receive, you eat of the fruit thereof. See, we want to live in this verse and just positive, just, just believe in speaking the word, but, but you got to live in this verse and how you talk towards other people, how, what you say about people online, which, how, what things you write. Listen, these things come from you. And that you are either speaking death or life towards somebody. Right? right? Amen. Okay. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. By the way, let me just throw this. I said you don't have to have an opinion about everything. That's true. Here's another thing to go along with, and I learned this a long time ago. You, you do not have to prove yourself right to everybody either. 
you, you need to give up that fight. People spend so much time just trying to be right to each other. Just, just stop. Just stop. You'll, you'll save yourself some, some conversations that turn into arguments, that turn into to bad moods, that turn into bad relationships. Just stop. And by the way, speak, speaking of death and life, before we go to this next verse, let me just throw this in real quick. I've raised three children, ain't none of them perfect, not even close. Good kids, but they're kids, right? And my two boys, so there you go. Have they ever done something that I would say that was dumb? Well, yeah. Unwise, sure. But should I start calling them dumb? No. You may, somebody may do something that's unwise, and you think it's un, you're pretty positive it was unwise, but it does not give you a right to label them Amen. and speak death over them. Amen. You, see, you see what I'm getting at? It doesn't mean, again, that you're never opposed strongly to something, but how you go about opposing your anger, your frustrations, and the things that you oppose very strongly has got to come within the fruit of the Spirit. You see? When you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, that is the first step of arresting your tongue. Because it, your, your tongue needs to come under the lordship of your confession. It doesn't mean that, that you just never interact or discuss or have disagreement, but how you go about this stuff shows whether or not you really love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the next one. Luke chapter 6, verse number 45. Well, let's, I, let's jump back. 43, I'm sorry. Verse 43. For a good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit, by its own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So Jesus it's talking about good trees bring forth good stuff, bad trees bring forth bad stuff. You can't change it. And the very first example he gives of how this is shown is by the things that you say. What you say exposes the nature of your heart. So you can come to church and praise God all day long and speak nice things to people as long as they're on your good side here. But then you, later, you curse men. You name call, you label, you put down, you do all these things. And Jesus is saying, really, your heart is actually being exposed. You really haven't caught this whole loving your neighbor as yourself. What is in here? always eventually comes out. And the very first place it comes out the easiest is this thing that James says, look, it's very hard to tame this thing called the tongue. Yeah. 
It's small, but look, it can set the whole place on fire. Matthew chapter 5, let's go there. Now, now this, this one here is really where I wanted to go this whole time. Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. Going to look in verse 21. Matthew 5, 21. And he heard that was said by them of old time in the law, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. We know that. That's pretty simple. Ten commandment, thou shalt not murder, right? So in the law, it's pretty straight out. You kill somebody, there is a judgment, a consequence for what you do. Now here comes Jesus being Jesus. He takes this and he said, that's great. That don't change. I'm going to take this a step further. Watch what he says. But I say to you, verse 22, but I say to you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of judgment. Okay, so he's backing up to the motive of the heart. Murder somebody, judgment. But I tell you, if you, if you, let, uh, you let anger run rampant in you, you're in danger of that same kind of judgment. They said of old, this is what happened, but I say to you, anger, watch out. Well, he keeps going. And whoever shall save his brother Raka, name calling, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall save thou fool shall be in danger of the fire of hell. Look out. Murder, anger, name calling. Jesus said it's all the same root, it's all in the same boat, and you endanger yourself if you participate in any of it. Listen, that, that, that should be the cannonball tonight. That come, comes wrecking through a little bit here. Jesus is saying, look, we know you shouldn't murder. And, and if, and if you, and you're in this process at all, we know that anger unkept is not good. But let's take this a step further. And by the way, you fool in the culture, that, that was a pretty strong statement, but it was a statement of judgment. It was a label. It was a put-down. If you just want to go around putting people down and judging them and labeling them and put them in, in compartments, it's of the same seed and root of killing somebody. Think about that. All those things come from the same thing. Remember the parable Jesus told of the Pharisee who went up to pray in the temple? Thank God I'm not like them other guys that are sinners, but I'm, I'm glad I'm me because I tithe and I do, I do all the religious duty, my paraphrase. His pride came out of his heart through his mouth, and he thought he's better than other people to the point in his prayer he put other people down. Then you got the sinner way off, not even, not even wanting to come up and raise up his head, but he just, forgive me. This is the guy who did all the religious stuff, but in his religious 
way of thinking, he just thought he was better than everybody. To the point he prayed that he was better than everybody. And the guy, and the guy over here didn't even feel worthy to look up to heaven. Jesus said, now who left justified? Not the guy that was so prideful that he thought he was just better than everybody because he was so spiritual. He finds himself in the root of murder, unkept anger, and labeling name-calling. Let me give you another example. Let's say I talk politics with you. Uh-oh. Here's why I would promise you 110% because I don't talk politics, but if I did, I would be on the same page with a lot of you, but not on the same page with any of you, depending on who I was talking to. I believe a lot of things I think politically are formed scripturally, so I, I'm pretty solid in the way I view things, in my own opinion. So let's say Dave and I were having a political conversation and we were opposed to one another and actually found out we were very opposed to one another. Do I have a right to label, name call, compartmentalize, anything to David because he's on the other end of the spectrum from me politically? Even if I think what he thinks is very unwise, not only for himself, but for the rest of us? Even if I think his thoughts, if they came into being, would wreck the whole thing, this is what we think. Do I have a right, as a believer who's been called to love my neighbor as myself, have a right to call you a name? Idiot, moron, fool. No. I have the right to listen, try to understand, and maybe still be strong in what I think, engage in a, in a maybe a very back and forth conversation but understand this whole time this person is in the image of God as I am still not perfect as I am not perfect therefore it doesn't matter where we stand on this thing we walk out as human beings together and we don't do this a lot like this we do this a lot on, on, online Facebook this kind of place because hiding behind a computer is easy just to throw things out and leave it and not really have to interact with nobody. You see what I'm getting at? Or if I talk theology with you. I'm, very, I'm pretty solid in, in my thought through of theology. You know, I, I, I do a lot of reading and thinking about it. You know, all, I, I study it. But if we were opposed in some place theology, me and Dreama... And we're not on the same page as some things that I think are important, but she thinks another way about it. Do I have a right to name call, label, put down, criticize, and like the Pharisee praying, think I'm better than her because I have it all figured out and she just hasn't been enlightened yet? No. I can have a great dialogue. We can discuss things. We can be strong in what we think, but made in the image of God, loving my neighbor as myself, and if they're a believer, then I must in my faith encourage and lift up. You see? I believe in Jesus Christ. It's my confession, then how much does it affect my tongue and the things that I say and what comes out of me? 
See, you can, you can say, you, you can jump on number three of our values here at the church. I'm going to be a rescuer. Until you get agitated. Until you disagree. Until they're the opposite of you. And then, the, then the cursing of men starts coming out. And James says, this should not be. So in the expression of being opposite, in the expression of frustration, or, or let's say you're fighting with your wife, in the expression of your frustration and maybe anger, what comes out of your mouth must be guided by the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. What are the fruit of the Spirit? I say this almost every time I speak. Love, I want you to listen to these words as I say them. And you think, if what you say to, to your spouse, your kids, the stuff you post online, your, your coworkers, people that, that you think are just so wrong, they're ridiculous, all your words guided by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness, self-control. That, that's hard. That's why I'm glad it's the fruit of, of God helping me. <laughs> because I'm just not, listen, when I got saved, it, my tongue, listen, I knew right away, Jesus, some stuff's got to change. But see, if, if you know me personally, you know I got a sarcastic streak. Anybody know that? Yeah, Jared's been, Jared, no, I got a sarcastic streak. And sarcasm shows up through what? Your tongue. And it's been this long journey. I've been saved since I've been 17. So it's near 30 years of the fruit of the spirit of self-control working on my sarcasm. I'll be honest with you. Some, some of the stuff in my tongue was pretty easy, okay? But the, the sarcasm thing, my sarcastic streak is, is much, listen, much, much, much smaller than it was when I got saved. But I still have to watch it. As a matter of fact, if I look back on my life, some of the most the things I regret the most of what I've done, and this is me personally, have been things that I said to somebody. If I could take back, say, five moments of my life, I guarantee at least the top five, three of them would be something that I said to somebody. Because my tongue, though small, lit the room on fire. And anger came out, or, or a demeaning word came out. And if you stop that moment and you'd ask that person, does this guy love his neighbor as himself? <laughs> they probably wouldn't stop laughing for a while. It's just it's not working. We must learn to speak life. In the tongue, you find the power of life and death. So, so when, when you talk, do people find life in your words? Do they find encouragement? Do they find grace? Do they find forgiveness? Do they find that you are quick to listen longly and slow to speak and respond? 
Do they hear what you say and post on social media and would say that reflects the fact that you love your neighbor as yourself? Even when you're opposed in thought, opinion, politically, nationally, or ideologically. You may need to stop, rethink, get the help of the Holy Spirit, restate or not say something at all. It's hard to forgive when you judge. It's hard to encourage when you're a name caller. It's hard to help when you categorize. It's hard to think others are equal when your mouth says otherwise. It's hard to offer hope when you criticize. We've got to walk the earth like the pardon of God. And one of the best ways to do it with your actions is your words. Here's a quote. It's the very small deeds of ordinary folks, like the things that we say, that keep the darkness at bay, small acts of kindness and love. And this kind of grace needs to be coming forth of our life in every aspect of who we are, including our tongue. Amen? So let's love our neighbor as ourselves because of how we talk. When you disagree, do it in a way that you love your neighbor. When you're strongly opposed, that's okay. Do it in a way that you still love them. Because at the end of your argument politically, because of how you acted, are you able to share Jesus at the end? If there's anything that you're doing in your interaction with people that when you're done, that you can't share Jesus at the end, you need to rethink what you did. Because our, our repentance unto life to him is ultimately rethinking your entire life based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your entire existence. Amen? So let's do that. All right? Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I pray that we are the representatives of you as, as you want us to be. And I know in my own life, this is something I, I work hard on. Lord, in this specific thing we're talking about tonight, that our words are always words of life. They're words that lead towards you. They uplift, they encourage, they offer hope. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in, in the past, in areas that, that we did the wrong thing, that, that, that we can go back and, and receive forgiveness for those things, and in that shine a light towards you, because what you're all about is reconciliation through forgiveness. So Lord, teach us, grow us. With the help of the Holy Spirit, tame our tongues. So in all that we do, everything that we say, ultimately, it glorifies you. And in this, we, we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.